It is nice to do all this stuff in the flesh that we couldn't do before. So <laughs> praise God for that. And we're sort of getting back to it, aren't we? What was normal? Uh, maybe it's going to be a new sort of normal. I don't know. But um, the church will always want to gather together and be with each other and bless and love one another. I want to talk to you this morning about bearing fruit in your life. Uh, already, as we took communion, that verse was read from John's Gospel, that uh, as we abide in him, then we, we will bear fruit in our lives. I do a lot of preparing of messages these days. I teach uh, Arise uh, Bible School on Monday, and I'm I've got another Bible school on Tuesday and I'm, I'm usually proofing stuff that Daphne has typed up for me or I'm preparing the next message and then so there's usually lots of stuff going on in my head all at once in preparing uh, ministry or sermons or, or studies but in the back of my mind as I was doing this other stuff this week uh, the thought came to me Lord you've got to give me a how are we doing? Okay. Mm. I've only put that on. There's nothing else for me to do, is there? Or is there more for me to do? Just an idea so I know I'm moving in the right direction. And in one of my studies, I'm, I'm working in um, Hebrews. <coughs> and uh, it's Hebrews chapter 2. I'm looking at the different warnings that God has given us through the book of Hebrews. There are five of them. And it's just a couple of words that jumped out from this uh, warning. It's the first of five warnings in Hebrews 2. And uh, I'm just going to read to you the first four verses there. It's about the warning that we need to pay attention. Uh, the idea that if we're not careful and we not keep going on in God, we'll drift away from him. He says this, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding... And every violation and disobedience 
received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. I'm not going to speak about this particular subject this morning, but the two words that sort of jumped off the page to me as though the Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to focus a little bit on this and, and think about this. If we ignore such a great salvation, a great salvation, we have a great salvation. In the warning, the idea is, do you realize how great it is? It's just, don't ignore the greatness of it and how great it is. Don't drift away from this great salvation. Is salvation still great to you? Huh. You see, we talk about the good news of salvation. And of course, it's always good, but it's not always news, is it? The fact that it's good news is that there's always something new. The fact that you could say, Jesus Christ died for me, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm saved, that's, that's good, but it's not news. It's old news. We need something new in our salvation. We constantly need to be seeing Jesus in a new way. He needs to be new all the time. He needs to be brighter and better and more glorious than he was yesterday. We need to be hearing and receiving new things for it to be the gospel of good news. Christ is good. Salvation is good. But is your salvation great? There is a danger that because we've been saved for so long, we've become a little bit complacent with it. Yes, it's great to be saved, but it's just salvation. Wonderful to think that we're going to heaven, of course, but we've known this for a long time. And so that it's not new to us. We need something new. And so the writer here is saying, listen, we will drift away. Not necessarily from the truth of the gospel, we will drift away from Jesus. Because this is what we have. We have a relation for this with this wonderful person called Jesus. And we don't really know much about him. There's a lot more to find out about this wonderful Jesus. How wonderful and glorious and great he is. That is part of this great salvation that we have. One thing that makes this salvation great is that if we keep pressing on, new things are revealed to us all the time. Maybe we just see things a little bit at first like a shadow, and we think, oh, I think I'm onto something here. But if we draw back, we see no more than a shadow. But if we press on and keep looking and keep looking, of course the picture becomes clearer and clearer, 
and the gospel becomes more and more wonderful and more and more glorious. That's what keeps us pressing forward. Otherwise, Christianity can get a little bit dull, a little bit boring if we're not careful. What new thing have you seen lately? What new revelation have you had of Jesus Christ? What new truth has dawned upon you that it drove you to the Word of God? Not reading something that you already knew, but something that you never knew, and you think, I need to dig into this and find if this is true, this reality that I'm discovering. Sometimes we discover truth just by living. All of a sudden, God, somehow, through somebody or something, he just reveals something to us. And it's exciting to discover this new thing. Mostly truth about the things of God, the new things of God, they're taught to us. That's why we gather week by week, because we want to hear something new or refreshing or... or that's the, just keep us moving forward in him. I want to draw your attention this morning. That's changed somewhat from here. I don't know if it's different on there. Anyway, I'll just keep going and I'll leave you in that room to do all the rest of the stuff. I want to draw your attention to one of the things that makes this salvation, I think, a great salvation. You have been appointed first chosen and then appointed to bear fruit in your life. It's that fruit I want to talk about this morning. The verse is uh, John 15, 16, uh, and we'll be just expanding on this verse a little bit here this morning. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit Fruit that will last. So Jesus, he says three things here. He makes three clear statements. He says, I chose you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Now, we could get into a real deep theological argument and discourse about this choosing business. I'm not going to go there this morning. Uh, you chose him. Let's hold it with that. And he's chosen you. Let's, let's just stay with that and I'll move on. But the fact is you're chosen. The fact is you know you're chosen this morning. The second thing is each one of us has been appointed to bear fruit in our lives. All of us, he has appointed us. The, the things that we do and say and think and the way that we act is fruit that has been appointed to each one of our lives. And the third thing is, that fruit which you are producing in your life will have an eternal consequence on your destiny. It will remain. It isn't though you've done it, and that, that somehow you got to the end, you right know, these three, it says in Ephesians, isn't it, about faith and love and hope, he says they will remain. It's the same idea here, that the fruit that you produce in your life, it will remain. It goes into eternity with you. What is Jesus saying here? He says if you exercise faith 
in me that I saved you. And you put your trust in Almighty God. You will be fruitful in your Christian life. And really there's no dispute about this. If the first of these aspects you have been chosen is fixed and determined, and I think most of you would say this morning with me, I believe it. I believe my salvation is fixed and determined. I won't lose my salvation. I'm not turning back on my salvation. It is something that is fixed. It's determined. If that is true, then the other two parts are true. That what he has appointed you to bear fruit in your life, it will happen. If, if the fact that you are saved is fixed and determined, so is the fruit that he has determined that you should bear. It's not an optional thing. It's determined already. He said, I appointed you to bear it. And you will bear it. And the fruit that you bear in your life, it, it will remain. Because it says there, the fruit that will last. Not simply last in your life. Because once fruit is, fruit is something that we do, once it's done, it's fruit. It's been done. But he says, listen, the effects of that fruit... The fact that you've produced it, it lasts forever. It isn't something that you did today and we've forgotten about it, we move on to the next thing. It lasts forever. Before I talk about how the Bible describes fruit, so you can know exactly whether you're producing fruit in your life or not, there's a number of considerations that we need to perhaps look at. The first is that in our Christian life from time to time, we might slow down or even stop producing fruit altogether. We can have lapses in our Christian walk, our Christian life. It's as though we go through lean patches in our Christian life. Now, you might be the sort of Christian that never has a lean patch. Fantastic. Oh, that's true for a lot of you. But, but if we're real, it's as though sometimes... God, are you there? What's going on here? It's like one step forward, two or three steps back, God. It's like we're, we're, we're trying to walk through something very difficult and, and we're, not, we're not getting there. We know some people in their Christian life, they've, they've gone through periods of hours or days or weeks where nothing nothing was positive or happening in their life they were struggling sometimes people have gone for months or even years where they've sort of lost the plot it's almost they got to a stage where perhaps they don't care or they even question if this salvation that they've so intently believed in what's gone wrong am i what am i missing here Perhaps you've known people who have lapsed for years and years and then at the end they've come back to the Lord. I know that uh, one of my own relatives, uh, an, an aunt, she's, she's gone to be with the Lord now, but she was saved as a girl. She decided that she wouldn't marry a Christian and for the whole of her life, uh, into her 70s and 80s, she, she didn't go near a church or 
there was no appreciation of those things that anyone could see. We don't know what was happening in her private life, of course, but she had chosen to walk this route. And towards the very end of her life, she called my brother, who was the pastor, some of you know that, and, and she said, listen, I want to put it right. I realize that I've spent my whole life with no consideration of the things of God at all. So you could say, well, she did what could have been considered quite fruitless in her life. I'm sure there was fruit in her life in lots of different ways, but, but biblically speaking, very little. And yet she came back. She came back before she passed on. You know, in my own life, I remember between the years when I was between 20 and 30, that life got... Um, it got full. It got full with marriage. It got full with having kids, following a career, studying, uh, my own enjoyment of life, the things I wanted to do. And as I look back now, although I went to church still, you know, faith that we went to church, and I even led a youth group, as it were, I knew I was a long way from God. A long way from God. I wasn't always there. I was quite passionate in my teens and then for those 10 years I lost it and then God miraculously moved in my life again as I look back now I mean we won't beat ourselves up but I think those were 10 very valuable years between 20 and 30 when you you can be really strong you know and I lost it I lost it and so the potential of bearing the fruit that God would require of me it wasn't there. It wasn't there. Sometimes in life, another little consideration is sometimes God draws us aside to deal with certain things in our lives. And when he does that, we sometimes think then, mm, my life isn't quite what it is. Why, 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 is, why am I in this sort of place of isolation or this, uh, like a desert place? What, what's going on here? And, and we, we see very little coming from our lives. God has taken us there. And he's doing something deep in our lives often that he knows are necessary. He has to deal with certain things that later in life we will produce a lot more fruit because of this, this experience we're going through. I, there's a young lady I knew in Hastings. Uh, a year ago she moved to France her and her husband, and she thought there was tremendous opportunities. She prayed. Her husband is not a Christian. She prayed, and she thought it was the step that the Lord had taken her to. I was listening to her this week. She was talking to me, and she said, we're coming home. We're coming home because everything's gone wrong. Well, it hasn't gone wrong at all. It's gone completely right. See, we, think, we see life from our perspective and think it's going wrong. If we can only see it from God's perspective sometimes, we can see it's far from going wrong, it's all going right. So she said, we went here, you know, we haven't got on as best as we could, we feel isolated. And she said, uh, my husband, the other week, he went to England and did work and he came back and said, oh, I want to be in England, I can't stand being here, I can't talk to anyone, I can't get on with what I want to do. Uh, and then... Just last week, she said this vehicle came close to their building, smashed the wall down and destroyed two of their vehicles. So she says, but you know, in it all, I'm talking to God and listening to God. 
And he said a tremendous thing has happened that this, this materialism that is in me, that, that I saw now when I was in England, that had a real grip on me, he's taken it all from me. It's gone now. She might have heard a dozen sermons on materialism, but none of them did what God has to do sometimes in take us away, isolate us. And then as we're in this place where we think nothing is happening and no fruit is being produced in my life, there we listen to him more intently. And that's how he speaks often to bring about the change that will just set us on a new course, in a new direction, and produce a whole lot more fruit in our life, more than if he had left us where we were. Sometimes God draws us away when everything is right in our life to, to a season when there's no fruit. I shared with some of you already, recently Daphne and I, we went to Thailand. Um, some, some people in Thailand that Daphne's known over many years, and she took teams two or three times uh, from this church to Thailand. And this couple, John and Gillian, they rang up Daphne, they know her, and they said, Daphne, we're coming home on furlough. Would you be prepared with Philip to come and step in to our ministry for three months just to support things and you know help help with different things it was all to do with teaching in a school well the word of god says if you can help your brother you should step in and help him you think i don't know if whether god was thinking you should go all the way to thailand and help your brother no i had no reason why i could ever say no to to them and so the opportunity was there we had the ability to do it he, they requested something of us obviously we prayed about it and so we went for three months. It was a disaster. From beginning to end, the whole mission was disastrous. Just getting the paperwork to get there was a nightmare because all the embassies were closed. You couldn't talk to anyone. Instead of just getting a visa and a, 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 a ticket, we had to get all these other forms. We thought we had all the forms, so we flew from London Heathrow. We were going through Amsterdam uh, onto Bangkok. They wouldn't let us leave Amsterdam, so we were stuck in Amsterdam uh, for, for two days. We had to get more paperwork sent from England and somebody to do that. Meanwhile, our tests had run out. Two tests, 300 pounds. We had to have another two tests, that's another 300 pounds. Just to get there, when we get there, we're 10 days in quarantine. 10 days in quarantine, I get an attack of gout in my foot. If you've ever had gout, that is really, really painful. Let me assure you of that. Gout, gout. Gout is like it's a, a, a swelling in your joints that just is absolute murder. It's murder. It's so painful you can't stand or walk or anything. Anyway, so we eventually get there, and the, the, the plan is we teach these children uh, English. And uh, from there, they go on to a school, a Christian school, where they can do their studying in English. We've heard when we get there, the whole school is locked down because of the uh, pandemic. So we have to teach online. Teaching 10, 11 year olds online is not an easy thing. Okay. Half the time they weren't there, half the time they weren't putting their things on. And instead of teaching children, as it were, for say, uh, five or six hours a day, we had simply two hours with them online. We did this for five weeks and we thought to ourselves, this is not going anywhere. 
Because you ask the question all the time, and you're talking to God all the time, what's going on, God? What's happening here? What, why is this so difficult? We've simply responded in our hearts, and, and so you start to question things. So even when you're in the right place, and, and, and you're right, no, it doesn't all work out. After five weeks of teaching online, we thought we've had enough of this. We're not going to go home. We're going to stay put. And then we heard that the schools were going to open. So we were excited. We got all prepared for Monday morning, go to the school. The school would be open only to hear that the government had reversed its decision and lockdown was going to continue. We thought we can't go back online. This is impossible. So we taught the children like one-on-one, like tuition as they came in just so there wasn't a class. It was only one child at a time. We thought, well, we're getting somewhere. We were getting nowhere at first. Lisa, we're getting somewhere now. After two weeks, we're driving to school this morning and there's billows of black smoke in the sky. We think, what's this? There was an explosion in a paint factory and all these toxic chemicals were released into the air. So we had to close the school down and we were evacuated from that very place, put in a hotel for a week where no teaching was going on at all. We went back after the week and we thought, oh well, let's finish now. We've only got maybe three or four weeks left to finish. After a week, the government closed everything down again. And we were isolated in our home that we couldn't even go out. In three months in Thailand, I never saw any sightseeing thing at all because everything was closed down. We weren't allowed to leave the district. The churches were all closed. In three months, we met eight people in three months and saw absolutely nothing. You come back and you think, what is all that about? And it cost us, with lost income, about £6,000 to do this. I mean, that's always a bit of a rub. I mean, it's the least of all the things that, you know, when you come to it, if you've got the money to do it, then you get on and do it. But you say, God, what's, what's going on here? If that's in your life, I want to encourage you. It says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, Therefore, it says, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. That's encouraging, isn't it? Because you can look at your life sometimes and think, well, I've just written 10 years off. I've just written three months off. I've written so much off. Then it, it says about men's hearts will be revealed. But then it goes on to say, and at that time, each one of you will receive his praise from God. Each one of you, that's you, there will be a day, and it's all to do with that judgment day, when we stand before him, we will receive praise from God for the fruit that was born in our lives. Praise God. This is a great salvation. And in the confusion of not knowing what's going on, or if you take backward steps, or it all seems to be caving in on your life, the wonderful thing is that God keeps you. He is teaching you sometimes through things. He is developing character within your life that on that day, you will be rewarded. 
He has seen everything. Let's now examine what the Bible says are the fruits that we bear in our life. I've got five. There might be more, but five's enough, isn't it, to keep going? Okay, the first is, in Galatians 5 and 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. You see, Christ has entered into you and he has now changed the values of your life and he is producing in you the character of Christ. So every time you act in love, every time you're patient, every time you move in peace instead of the opposite spirit, every time you're good and gentle and kind, and faithful and you 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 operate with self-control you are producing fruit in your life fruit that glorifies God every time God sees you do that that's fruit being produced in your life that brings joy to him he's he's overjoyed as he sees the fruit being produced in your life every good characteristic Every godly characteristic that you display is fruit born in your life. Colossians 1 and 10 says this, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Every good thing that you do Every good thing is fruit in your life. You say, this is getting encouraging, Phil. I've thought lots of good, uh, good godly things in my life, and I've, I've had good godly characters many times, and I've done lots of good things. See, all this is fruit. And it says, this fruit will remain. It will last. <laughs> you say, well, if I do good things... That's fruit. What if I do bad things? That would be bad fruit. So do, when I meet the Lord, have this basket full of good fruit and this great big bucket of bad fruit. Let me encourage you. No, 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 no. The only fruit that's taken account of is the good fruit. The bad stuff affects our relationship now, but it won't affect our relationship before him. So everything good that you do is being credited to your account. Every godly characteristic that you, 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 you express is being built into your everlasting account. Two or three more. It says in Romans 1 and 13, I planned many times to come to you in order that might I, I might have a harvest amongst you. Those who serve others in the way of discipling them, causing them to come to Christ or helping them to grow in Christ, is fruit credited to you. This has often been taught was we must go and share the gospel with people to get them born again, and that is the fruit of our life. Can I say not everyone can go and speak and share 
But we can all be involved in service that brings others to Christ. Praying for people, worshipping in a service where unconverted people come in, being hospitable to people, doing things for people, serving people. All of these things are works within the kingdom that attracts people to Christ and brings them in. Of course, they've got to hear the message. And that's one person's job, perhaps. But the whole body of Christ is involved in bringing people to Christ and then also in discipling them in their lives. We weren't called to make converts, but disciples. So every time you've partaken in someone's life and moved them on in Christ, either bringing them to Christ or discipling them, that's fruit in your life. I planned many times to come to you in order that I might have a harvest amongst you. He's talking to the Christians. He knew that if he went and he taught and inspired them and encouraged them, it would be fruit in their lives, but he also knew it was fruit that he was producing in his own life. The fourth one I've got is praising God with our lips. It says in Hebrews 13 and 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. Every time you speak positively about the Lord, every time you sing something, every time you worship him, every time you speak out the goodness of God, that is fruit. That is fruit that you are producing in your life constantly. And it's fruit that will last and remain, it says. Every time you praise God with your lips, it is fruit in your life. And the last one I've got is being generous with what we have. Remember Paul, when he, he, he gathered in money, as it were, to take to Jerusalem to help the poor Christians there. He says in, in Romans 5 and 20, 15, 28, So after I have completed this task and have made sure that you have received this fruit. Again, in Philippians, where he talks about where people have assisted him financially, in Philippians 4 and 17, he says, not because I desire a gift, but is I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He's saying, your, your support of me financially, it brings fruit to your account. Fruit then includes a Christ-like character. A life characterized by good works. A faithful worker in helping to make disciples. A pair of lips that praise God. And a generous giving of the material things we have to support God's program. I'm going to finish on one very obvious thing about this fruit. You don't get none of it. You go, hang on. You've just built me up. I thought I was going to be really prosperous and enjoy all this stuff. No. We don't get to eat. We don't get to eat the fruit of our labour. We don't get to eat any of it. Who gets to, who gets to eat the fruit? Who gets to pick the fruit? The gardener picks the fruit. Who is the gardener? 
It's God Himself. All the fruit that you produce in your life, it doesn't come to you, it comes to Him. You see, He is the vine and we are the branches and we produce the fruit in our life and the farmer, believe it or not, comes along and picks it all and takes it and drinks it and sells it and enjoys it and we're left out in the fields only to produce more and more and more and more fruit. But on that day, when he meets us, he will praise us for the fruit that we have produced in our lives. We live sometimes in a Christianity that is about how blessed we are. We are blessed. And we become the center of our Christian focus. What God can do for me, how God can bless me, how God can heal me, how God can prosper me. All of those things. But we've got a little bit unbalanced sometimes. Because it isn't about us. It's about Him. We sing praises because He, he gets the fruit of our praise. We give, we give to others because He gets praise of what we given. It's to Him. We live our lives not for ourselves, but we live our lives for Him. And if we can be saved from ourselves, this life is glorious. It truly is a great, great, great salvation. So keep producing fruit. Fruit for his glory. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Phil. That was a good word, wasn't it? Yes.